I'm going to talk to you today about the Mass. The liturgy is what enculturates the gospel for us. What are you, some kind of altar boy? And, and it enculturates it into our day-to-day life, our, our day-to-day existence. It's pretty dang exciting, huh? We're called not to some crapshoot called life, but to an adventure in fidelity that beckons us to cast out to the deep. The Liturgical Institute is proud to present the Liturgy Guys. All right, uh, Chris. Jesse. You had your chance. Yes. To be Quizmaster. Quizmaster Elite. Yes. And uh, we have a challenger in the ring. Ding, ding, ding. In this corner. Dennis, the quiz master, McNamara. Wait, so I get to, I get to read a quiz. I get to read ref. a quiz that that he that he put together. Yeah, you both do. You versus me, buddy. This oh, is my. Whoa, 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 oh. whoa! Wait, yeah. if I do this on podcast, what if I want to use this midterm again next year? <laughs> 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 Too bad. We're Let, already. Let's rolling. do the oral comps for the Liturgical Institute Master's Degree Program. <laughs> oh yeah, we could. Well, those questions are public. Yeah. Anyway, what I have here is the midterm I just gave at Benedictine College this week. Because I'm here in Mundelein, Illinois. Yeah, why are you here, Dennis? <laughs> yeah, why are you here, People Dennis? Ask me that all the time. Because it's spring break. Yeah, so Everybody why are you to, here, Dennis? Everybody this went to Cancun, <laughs> and I'm in cold, rainy <laughs> This is the Fort Lauderdale of the Midwest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just, just outside the door, there's like bikini-clad ladies drinking. Not true. Really? Not true. Yeah. Not true. Okay. You should see Jesse's office. All right, time code <laughs> 605, <laughs> delete. All right, well, we'll just do the first 10... True falses and see how you do. Well, All right, just hang on a little bit. So, what? Tell us about this. You, you give this. Th- this is this is from one of your classes at uh, Benedict. It's how, called how the. Are, li- how are, this is your first spring break. Your first year at Benedict, and this is your first spring break. How? Yes. Uh, give us give us a little update on how things are going down. Yeah, there. do that. Yeah, I'll do that. It see, is see, Jesse, if we can delay great. him long enough, we'll run. You're going to get these time. questions one way or another. Don't yeah. even try. Is this going to be on the test? No, but get ready. <laughs> Can we have podcast outside today? <laughs> we actually had class outside the other day. Yeah, so uh, middle of the second semester of Benedictine. What a good place. What a good place. Students are amazing. The college atmosphere is just so impressive. Catholic identity is so strong but not forced. Students go to things, and they're interested in their life and faith, and they have a good time. And they're just eager for more and more and more. And um, mm-hmm. the campus ministry is so active, mostly because the students want it. It's not so much like, oh, that ministry priests have to cram this stuff down the students' throats. It's, what can you do for us? Can we do more? Can we do more? All they can do is keep up with the demands of the students to find the depths of the truth mm-hmm. of things. So this liturgical movement class that I taught at the Liturgical Institute for many years, I haven't changed it all that much uh, to make it an undergraduate course and. Man, people like it. They're eating, mm. eating it up. Who would have thought a 19-year-old uh, from Kansas or wherever would be eating up a class on the 20th century liturgical movement? Well, if you care about your life and your faith and your relationship with God and the liturgy is the center of that, then you want to know more. And what's interesting is that this, these words like Jansenism or active participation, sometimes they've never heard those words. They might come from a Jansenist background, especially if they're you know, from a traditional uh, background, and not know. And so we're really putting the words on their lips a bit to, uh, to understand their own faith. It's really good. The, the more I hear you talk about that school, the more I would be like so inclined to send my kids there. Yeah, man. It sounds like a really amazing college. It and is. I only hear really amazing mm-hmm. and exceptional things from it. Yep, it's true. The president, uh, Stephen Minnis, is a really exceptional person too. And I've been really impressed, even with the administration, the way the administration recruits students and welcomes people and does fundraising. It's just... Uh, 
You know, I have a contract, so it's not like I'm doing this to keep my contract, right? It's just true. It's just really an amazing, impressive place. Well, let's find out how sharp these mines are. This is a this is a test that was turned in by Andrew uh, Jones. Andrew, <laughs> it does not look like you passed this test, but we're, we'll see if we can pass it. Well, well this see, is we'll a, we're actually looking at Shane's oh. exam right now, uh-huh. and are so you? far he got 100 percent right on the first page. So, wow. oh, you stop memorizing the answers, I, Jesse. <laughs> Just he's looking at the quiz with all huh. the truths and falsehoods. Something's like, never changed. I didn't want to use the dude's real name, and you show up. I didn't give his last name. Oh, okay. Yeah, Shane. He's a good student. He, okay. He did well, apparently. perfectly Shane, on the first Shane, page. Shane. Are you grading this on a curve? Okay, no. So, now we have covered almost all this material in various episodes of the podcast from season one through today. Virgil Michael, Odo Kozel, Lambert Baudrin, Prosper Guéranger. They're all there in the podcast to find out the answers. I like to move it, move it. Okay. Do you want to start, Jesse? Or do you want to start, Chris? I will defer. These are, uh, okay. They're true false. Are these They're essay questions? False. They're all true false. Unlike somebody's quizzes, <laughs> Chris. Yeah, like seven true false Name options. the exact minute of day you're supposed to yeah. consecrate the Eucharist. A, N, B, B, N, C, B, C, D, E only. None okay, here you go, Chris. According to Virgil Michael, Christ alone is the object of the end object of Christian worship, true or false? Absolutely true. Oh, am I supposed to, is that, is that right? <laughs> what? The Trinity? What? <laughs> Repeat that. According to Virgil Michael, Christ alone is the oh, end it's the alone object of there. Christian worship. Doesn't matter, you already said false. It's the alone. Yeah. What's the issue there? Because lots of people talk about Christ, and I go to Mass, and you see pictures of Jesus, you know, in mosaic on the wall or something, and there's something that's often forgotten, and Virgil Michael, in particular, in his book, The Liturgy of the Church, made the point that Christ is not the end point of the liturgy. Who is? God the Father. God the Father. That is true. And so the idea of Christ as the mediator between God and humanity, mm-hmm. a.k.a. the mediator day. Chris is sitting there in a I like my chances already. Mm-hmm. His, if I you, defeat two oh. liturgy guys this month... If you could see great. his body language, arms crossed, chin down. I feel like Dennis Mack. Frustrated with himself. Beard smelling like chrism. <sighs> okay, so uh, can you keep score? I don't have a pen, Chris. No. <laughs> okay, well, so far, it's 0-0. Zero, zero. You're the prof. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. Wow, okay. I didn't know you were such a sore loser. You're okay, Jesse. I haven't lost yet. Okay, go. Jesse, here you go. According to Lambert Baudouin... Mm-hmm. Individualism is a result of proper worship. That's false. Correct. That is false. These are all pretty easy. You know, here I am. <laughs> now he's rubbing yeah, it in. They're pretty easy, Chris. I don't know what you're doing over there. <laughs> it's Tuesday night. I mean, it's Wednesday night this week, last week, and I'm the quiz. I mean, the midterm is the next day. It's like 11 o'clock at night. I'm like, oh, what are these true-false questions I can come up with? Okay, so one to one. No, no, no one to one none. To one to zero. One That's to right. Thank Why is individualism you. not... The result of proper worship, Jesse. Because it's corporate worship. Because we're all members of the? Corporate body of Christ. The mystical body of Christ, correct. So the idea, sit in the pew and do your own thing next to someone else is doing his or her own thing. Sounds like communism to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the true communal understanding. Mm -hmm. Okay, Chris. Why isn't it communism and socialism, though? Because it's not an earthly political system. It's the nature of the baptized who are all forming the mystical body It's a heavenly system. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Je- you see the look on Jason. It was like it's a heavenly system. Duh. <laughs> you, we still remain. We still retain go, our individuality, right? Come on. Come on. Right. All right. 
All right, number okay. three. Yes. Odo Kazel was a mm-hmm. monk of Boiron Abbey in Germany. True or false? That's true. Wrong. It's Maria Locke. Maria Locke. Ugh, wow. Terrible. Chris is doing this to make you feel good. Are you Jesse. trying? <laughs> I even knew that one was wrong. Oh, I didn't. So, okay. Admittedly, I didn't know what the right answer was, but I knew that was not the right answer. Okay. Boyron uh, is known for a number of things, but Odo Kozel was this Benedictine mm-hmm. monk who did a lot on active participation and the wow. Christian mysteries and entering into the mystery religions, which I think you teach this course, Chris. Yes. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here we go. I'm ready. One to zero. This one is fairly subtle. Okay. This was the A from the A minus question on this one. Lambert Baudouin was the author of the book, The Liturgy of the Church. I'm going to say false. Correct. Do you know, Chris? Well, uh, I know that uh, in its original title, um, they used the word uh, piety, but it had a funny ring to English-speaking ears, so they... Well, apparently, well, that's how they translated it. As, uh, they called it Liturgy Life of liturgy the Church. Liturgy Life of the Church, yeah. Somebody did write a book called The Liturgy of the Church, but that was Virgil Michael. So this was uh, a soup, this, you know, this is super huh. sneaky. Life of the Church or no life? I said... Yeah, you didn't trick me with that one. I, uh, I told the students, remember, if you're walking around Paris, <laughs> that's the life, man. Walking around. Mm. Liturgy, life of the church. Okay. Mm. So it is what now? Three to two? Two to zero. Okay. How many of these are there? Ten. You'll get this one, though. You'll, re, you'll uh, get back on the board here. Okay. According to the liturgical movement's rediscovery of the mystical body of Christ, lay people have no real priestly, no real priestly offering, but receive grace by submitting to the priest acting in persona Christi. That's false. Correct. Yes, that is false. Tell me why it's false, Chris. Uh, because while the, uh, the priest acting in persona Christi Capitis is uh, essential and a necessary part of corporate worship. So too is the sharing in the priesthood that the baptized uh, have, and they're sharing in the priesthood of Jesus. Right. So here is the whole foundational theology for active participation: is if lay people are members of the body, they get to offer sacrifice as well and participate in the same offering, but as members and not as the head. I'm just so glad that you guys finally know what it's like to be quizzed on this stuff. <laughs> And be like, I think I know, but yeah. not... We're like, come on, Jesse, yeah. all the time. Try less let you do me. All right. right. And you take it well. All right, number six for you. According to Odo Kozel... Odo? Odo, by those Odo. who stepped up. Odo Kozel, the word mystery primarily means the inaccessible realities of God. This one's a little subtle because you could argue it either way. True. Well, the accessible... Inaccessible. But it's supposed to be accessible? It's supposed to be sacramental accessibility. A mystery, by definition, is the same word as sacrament, right? It's making the inaccessible accessible. Yep. All right. That's a tough thing because sometimes mystery means something that's inaccessible. It's a secret. But in the Christian uh, tradition, it's, it's not like God's trying to keep secrets from you. Just the contrary, he's trying to shout from the rooftops, from the mountaintop, the plan of the mystery. And in fact, the loudest I'm even gonna, secret in the world. I'm even going to enflesh this mystery in a person so you can even see him and hear him and the rest, uh, the divine person and the human nature of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So it's like the it's secret tricky, of the liturgical institute. It's the best kept the secret. Mystery. But we keep shouting how awesome uh, we are. Yeah. Yeah. 
So you All could right. have argued that every mystery is about the invisible reality, right? Because you're making That's that. That's the part that tripped me up. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. it did. Uh-huh. Okay. Number seven. You ready, Chris? Oh, well, I think so. This is to tie it up again. This is pretty subtle because you would have to have read these documents recently. But here we go. Ugh. Here's a quote. And here's the quote. Without this mystery, the church would be an offerer without a sacrifice is a quote of Lambert Baudouin. True or false? Well, I don't know, but... I know that in Lambert Baudouin's work, it is really all about priestly work. It's priest, 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 priest. Without this mystery, the church would be an offerer without a sacrifice. Ah, so I'll bet it's Odo Kossel then, because he's the mystery guy. So therefore, the answer is false. You're correct. (laughs) (laughs) I'm confused as to how uh, that went down, but I guess I'll just accept it. (laughs) Well, Odo Kossel's book is called... Christian, the, the mystery, Christian mystery, right? So, Mysterium, how do you say it? In das christliche Kultmysterium. Is this nice. the last one? or we No, that was number seven. Oh, so okay. Number eight. Okay, Jesse. Number eight. Conscious participation in the liturgy is primarily involved with free interior participation as opposed to exterior. But conscious participation is primarily connected with free interior participation. True or false? Mm, that's a good question. Can you read it one more time? Conscious participation in the liturgy is primarily Just involved stalling. with free interior participation. Free interior? Like freely given interior participation. Don't let the free hang up. It's, is, is conscious primarily interior or exterior is the question? It's going to be both, but which one is it primary? Interior, yes. So true. that's true. Correct. Yeah, is that what you would have said, Chris? It is, although it's... Uh, I find that sometimes people associate active participation. It's like they're trying to bring the pendulum back from that crowd who thinks active participation is everything exterior, exterior, exterior. And so kind of the reaction is, no, 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 it's all See, that's interior, was, interior, yeah. interior. But I think how you worded it is right. It's, it's not only interior, but it is because I mean, we're, yeah. we're body and soul people, but right. it's, it's mostly interior. Right. And that comes from Virgil Michael's book. He's making the point that you have to remember his famous quote without intelligence there's mm-hmm. no such thing as worship so in other words you can't participate interiorly you can't give yourself if you don't know what you're doing you can stand sit kneel and sing without a lot of knowledge of what you're doing but you really can't give yourself to god interiorly unless you know so that's why i said primarily covered myself on that one all right okay this, t- this, this is difficult by the way yeah <laughs> yeah for well good job shane hear uh, that second year uh, students at benedictine college tough. You are taking tests that are stumping a 20-year Stump liturgy professor. Now, and a two, no, now admittedly, we just read this. We had a review session. I gave them right. study questions, so it's okay. fresher in their mind than yours. Okay, this one you may know. I wanted them to know the dates relative to the others of these liturgical scholars. So, true or false, Virgil Michael was a contemporary of Prosper Guéranger. False. Correct. Who came first? Prosper Guéranger. Who's roughly what time period? Uh, uh, well, he died in 1876. And how about Virgil Michael? He died in, I think, did he die in 48? Or was it after? Was it in the 50s? I think he died at the age of 48 and 38, I think. Uh, anyway, the point is, Prosper Guéranger was the self-proclaimed abbot of Solem, and he did a lot right after the French Revolution to restore monastic practice. He did all the music. Music, right. chant, other things. Now, Virgil Michael took it even that further, brought into social justice and questions that would be more He was growing century. up uh, 
Garaget while Napoleon was cat- kidnapping uh, the Pope. The Pope. I mean, that, that's those are the days that Garaget was growing up. Yeah, France. could you imagine? We're just like, oh yeah, <laughs> Napoleon kidnapped the Pope and uh, took him out of Rome. Can you imagine if like some political power kidnapped wow. Pope Francis? Be, we, phew, man. Okay, what's the score, Chris? <laughs> that wasn't me. Uh, it's three three. Is it? Yeah, because I'm about to. Just stomp the lights out of you. Okay, here we go. So Jesse, so we got two left. No, no this there's is one left. This is the last oh, one. This is it. Yeah. Oh, if man. you get this right, you win. I if, have a fifty percent chance. If not, you are tied. You. Okay. Here we go. Prosper Garanger's most important theological contributions emphasize that the liturgy was primarily Christ's saving deed in which we participate. True or false? True. What? Now, Garanger probably thought the liturgy was Christ-saving, if he thought of it. But whenever you hear Christ-saving act in which we participate, Christ-saving deed in which we participate, it's not Garanger that comes to mind. It is, Chris? Odo-Kazel. Odo-Kazel, right. That was his whole We need a tiebreaker here, then. That mystery is a participation in the saving deed mm. act of Christ in the form of a rite that leads to salvation. A tiebreaker. I don't have any more true-false questions, but I might be able to come up with something here. All right. Hmm. (laughs) Who should go first? I'll go first this time. Okay. Define Jansenism and its effect on liturgical participation. Jansenism is the uh, rigorous norm of uh, living life where you cannot do anything right, and there's your... Constantly doing things wrong, and I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. Um, so far, you have about one quarter credit on, yeah. the, on this answer. So. <laughs> what? Hold on. It is, a, it is a norm of thinking by which the, you, you are not good enough to receive these graces from you know, God through any sacramental means. And what's the second part of the question? What is, it effe- what is its effect on liturgical participation, if it's, you're a Jansenist? It, your effect on liturgical participation is that you shouldn't even participate because you're not worthy of these graces anyway. Sort of, yeah. 66% mm, of credit on that. Yeah, I'll give you a D on that one. It's so, worth 20 points on the midterm. I would probably give you 10 for that. All right. Ooh, wow, okay. he's tough. Yeah. yeah. He's well, tough. there's some key words that need to be said in Jansenism, right? It's a... It's a heresy, first of all. It's well, a, yeah, it's everybody a knows it's a heresy. of heretical thinking that comes from Calvinism. And then you were kind of right that it has a low sense of human nature, mm-hmm. but also that God is uh, sort of waiting to be offended by our human nature and our failings. And therefore, the number one thing we have to do is prevent God's dignity from being offended. And therefore, if you don't receive the Eucharist worthily, you'll offend God, which would be even worse than not receiving the Eucharist Stay at all. Away. Yeah, run away because God is kind of scary. And therefore, it, you know, you were you were on the right track. So this is not a true/false question. So I'm going to have to be the final arbiter of who does better oh, in this okay. one. <laughs> okay. So let's see if we have another question here. I didn't plan this. Uh, oh, they're all they're all too easy compared to that one. What? I know. That's just how the cookie crumbles. <laughs> you know? yeah. I'll crumble your cookie. <laughs> okay, explain in your own words. The superabundant source of all supernatural life is the sacerdotal power of the high priest of the new covenant from Lambert Baudouin. 
The, sacerdo- the superabundant source of all supernatural life is the sacerdotal power of the high priest of the new covenant. That's an easy one, huh? Just uh, say yes. Sacerdotal power <laughs> of Christ. So sacerdotal means priestly, and Christ is the high priest. So uh, the superabundant source. What is superabundant? Yeah. Uh, Overflowing, uh, it, it means that uh, the source of all grace is this media, mediating power of Jesus between fallen man and God, and kind of in the heart of the Redeemer, who's the heart of the priest, is kind of the reconciliation of heaven and earth, and when heaven touches earth, it's like his heart is open and this grace flows. That's like, kind of true, but that's not in the sentence about open hearts and stuff. What is the sentence? Actually, the superabundant super abundant source, source of all supernatural life is the sacerdotal power of the high priest of the new covenant. covenant. Oh, okay. So maybe this has to do with... Um, we did a whole podcast on this. Did we? Yeah. Sure, wasn't a coffee talk. No, and I didn't listen to it. I feel like the you, needle's you going on the negative <laughs> side here. Thought, I was okay, so a, you, have a, you had an old high priest who went into the uh, temple, uh, but the, Christ is the new high priest of the new covenant, and he goes in and he reconciles heaven and earth and tears the veil such that the superabundant source of grace can flow freely back from the Holy of Holies into the world. Yes! Because Winner. of what? Because of the superabundant source of no, all supernatural you, you life. You just used the word to define itself. <laughs> because of Christ's sacerdotal... His priestly sacrifice. Right. So say it again in normal English, all in one oh, coherent okay. thought. That God Jesus good, <laughs> devil bad, he uses a pinchfork. Exactly. <laughs> superabundant source of all supernatural life. The source, the place where we get all this priestly life... It's the Holy of Holies. The heart of the high priest. It's the sacerdotal power. Of the Lord Jesus All Christ, right. Uncle. All right, I give up. Jesse. Right. Well, you're the winner. I think uh, <laughs> we're uh, both. Wow. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Though Chris's answer was not perfect, I think it was slightly less imperfect than yours, Jesse. <laughs> what? In my, my true, honest, before God. So I declare. Get, get the bell. Where's the bell? He doesn't want the bell. I declare oh, no, no, Chris is the oh, wiener. Wow, wow. It's like a battle for the basement there, Jesse. All right. Thank you, Dr. McDamara. Well, hey, you know, come to Benedictine Tough. College and your kids can learn, learn this good stuff. stuff. Good this stuff. This is uh, Theology 4980, Section wow. A, Tuesday and Thursday. <laughs> That's a fox hunt. <laughs> anyway, All right. thank you and good night. Let's ask some other people some questions. Or no, wait. Answer let's some. let other people Yeah, let's like, sound smart for a change. Well, after, the, after this uh, debacle, I'm not sure anybody's going to want our answers. All right. Let's You're find out. You're smart students at Benedictine. Right. Good for you. Okay. Way to go, Shane. So why go to the Liturgical Institute? Well, if you want to serve the church and do liturgical studies from the heart of the church, you won't find any place quite like this. This place is faithful to the magisterium, but it's a dynamic orthodoxy, not dry. And at the same time, it not only makes the faith come alive, it also empowers you to help that be the experience for others as well. Hi, I'm Dr. Scott Hahn, and I want to warmly recommend the Liturgical Institute for your consideration. Pray about going and studying and sharing the richness of our living tradition. Mail call! Oh, Moses, Moses, why do you question me? Why do you care? Today, we have a similar debate over this. Anyone know what this is, class? Anyone? Okay, this question is from Thomas. Hey, Thomas. Thomas says, is there a liturgically suitable place for announcements to be made at Mass? 
It's common in the diocese where I currently am for announcements to be made before the prayer after communion, although germ 90, you might be having that there, Chris, locates brief announcements if they're necessary after the prayer before the priest's greeting and blessing. I've also seen this done before Mass or after the recessional. Which is the best way to deliver the announcements? What do you say, Chris? I think the best way and place to deliver announcements is outside of the context of the Mass. So In the bulletin. In the bulletin. I mean, they're going to be reading that during the homily anyway. So uh, before Mass starts, um, maybe after Mass is is, uh, people are on the way out the door. And there is supposed to be silence both before and after the Mass. So you might run into conflicts with that. But uh, if they have to be made, and if they can't take place outside of the context of Mass, uh, what Thomas says uh, is right at number 90. Uh, brief announcements take place after the prayer, after communion, and before the blessing and dismissal. And, uh, yeah, number 166 in the germ as well. When the prayer after communion is concluded, brief announcements should be made to the people if there are any. So kind of the the end of the liturgy of the Eucharist is with the amen to the prayer after communion. And then begins the concluding rites. So it's not envisioned, even though this is a common place for announcements, that they happen before the prayer after communion, right? So everybody's gone back to their pew after receiving communion. What should happen next is everybody stands, the priest says, let us pray, he says the prayer of communion, people say amen, and then announcements, but not on the front side of that, because you're kind of disrupting the, I don't know, the, the liturgical integrity of uh, the communion right at that point. So that's my two cents based on uh, the germ is keep them outside of Mass. If they have to be within Mass, then it's after the prayer of communion, but before the blessing. So the same thing with, with kids, keep them out of the Mass. But you can have them around before or after Mass. But it should be quiet. <laughs> but they should be quiet, yeah. All right, Thomas. And brief. I hope that answers your question. And if you have a question for us, you can email us at questions at liturgyguys.com or tweet Dennis at DMAC Super Taster. Or send Chris a message in a time capsule that he will open up in 20 years at. What's your geolocation? I'm, maybe I will have a Twitter account. You geocache, don't you? Yeah. A what? Ge- yeah, okay. We'll, we'll tell you later. Thank you, and, and God, God bless. bless. Now that's a podcast. The Liturgy Guys is brought to you by the Liturgical Institute at the University of St. Mary of the Lake, Adoremus, Society for the Renewal of the Sacred Liturgy, and the Center for Beauty and Culture at Benedictine College.